Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Before our live show begins, we take a little bit of time to do something we call our first in 15. It's at DogNation.com, the Dog Nation app. We do it at 9.45 in the morning. If you're ever around and want to join us for that, it's kind of a special thing. It kind of only exists there on that platform. It's just kind of a way of us saying thank you to the folks who've kind of helped us kind of grow and debut our newest platform on which our show is available. So I tell you all that to say, one of the things I showed to them prior to this show beginning today was wearing a very special shirt in honor of some news we learned yesterday. We'll talk more about the brand new UGA coming up on Saturday, but I'm wearing today my UGA 10 shirt. This is not an ad, but this is shirt was made exclusively for the UGA bookstore from our friends at Peter Millar. And so it's the UGA 10 line. So I've got my UGA 10 shirt on today because UGA is getting ready to pass that collar over to the new UGA 11 Q giving way to boom. We'll talk about boom a little bit later on today. And I think you have to say UGA 10 the most decorated UGA of all time. I hate, you hate to say the greatest UGA of all time because they've all given their all to UGA. But I think you have to say greatest UGA ever. A little bit of a surprising announcement for me yesterday to see a new UGA to be introduced. But that's one of the things that will make G-Day fun on Saturday. More on that later on. So I am decked out in honor of that today. Now, in addition to uh, collaring a new mascot, George is also hoping to find a new starting quarterback as well, or at least see some data and some information that kind of gives you an idea of where this quarterback competition is headed, because we do not believe it's settled after spring practice. We believe it's going to go into the summer, and I would suggest there's even a chance this goes into the fall. What seems like a pretty hot competition right now between Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck with Gunnar Stockton also a part of it. No one said a bad word about Stockton as of yet. Certainly uh, not at all, but he is a little bit younger and it seems like his time as the Georgia starting quarterback might come later on. For now, this sort of feels like it's Carson versus Brock to be the starter. We've obviously been very interested in this. We've talked about this in some form or fashion many, many days here over the course of spring practice. And what is fun is is this is starting to get some national attention there as well. Now, if you listen to yesterday's show, you know that I was very upset with uh, folks over at CBS Sports, and I admitted this is probably a silly thing to be upset about, but they had done that story the other day about, ooh, here are the freshmen to watch for spring games. And somehow, some way, if you heard yesterday, you heard me say this, somehow, some way, Georgia, which is what? back-to-back national champs number two recruiting class 20 whatever early enrollees and yet somehow (laughs) that program with those accolades to its credit was not able to produce a freshman of the caliber to get noticed by uh cbs sports and it's freshman to watch for upcoming spring games like i said that's sort of a silly thing to be bothered by but it's just sort of the stuff you notice this time of year so i uh kind of buried uh, cbs sports yesterday but i will praise them today because in their latest story highlighting the spring games to watch thankfully little old georgia uh who all it's done is won two straight national championships was at least good enough to get on the radar of cbs for its spring games to watch for the upcoming weekend and of course uh, next weekend there too there are a lot of very interesting things about to happen in college football over the course of the next couple of saturdays but it was one thing in particular that the cbs writer that in this case it's our good friend barrett salee uh, it was one thing in particular that the CBS writers said about this Georgia quarterback competition that I think actually sets the stage for us to have a pretty interesting conversation about this today. Let me show you this on the screen. Barrett, guy who's been on our show many times in the past, 
says the reason why the Georgia spring game G-Day as we call it's going to be so interesting is because that all eyes are going to be on Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift he says Beck's got more experience but both have drawn rave reviews this spring rave reviews kind of an interesting phrase there and is that the way I would characterize this I certainly haven't heard a bad word mentioned about Beck or Vandegrift at all I think the things we've heard thus far would lead you to believe this is a real competition there is some mystery and intrigue about who wins it going into the spring Carson Beck was the favorite I believe he was last year's backup he's the guy who's been here longest when he's played in games by the way some game experience is a pretty big weapon in this competition he has certainly looked the part of a future Georgia quarterback so he was the guy I think folks kind of came into this spring feeling like they knew more about that's probably what made him a little bit of a point spread favorite here in this particular situation but everything we've been kind of told and a lot of this is telephone game somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who's somebody sort of whispers and rumors and innuendo about what's been going on behind you know closed doors and these scrimmages but it does sort of sound like Brock Vandegrift has been kind of holding his own in all of this so if it is true these quarterbacks have quote drawn rave reviews thus far this spring as Barrett suggests then some of that is being pushed here by Vandegrift. Some of that is about Vandegrift inserting himself as a very real factor into this competition, not just a you know a, a placeholder so that it doesn't appear that Carson Beck was just sort of given the job and he didn't just win it by default. But in this case, it seems like in the, in, in the person of Brock Vandegrift, this is more than that. Vandegrift holding his own and Vandegrift sort of establishing himself as a potential realistic candidate to actually win the job. And a lot of what we see on Saturday is going to kind of validate that one way or another. There's either some space and some distance with Beck in comparison to Vandergriff, or Vandergriff kind of asserts himself uh, and, and makes this something that feels like a very big story. In fact, going into the summer, even bigger than it feels right now, because Vandergriff having a good day would certainly add a lot of magnitude to this quarterback competition, the conversation happening around that competition. That is why, and you've probably heard me say this a couple of times, that is why I have said going into Saturday, no disrespect to Carson Beck and no disrespect to Gunnar Stockton, but I have said, the single most interesting player for Georgia on Saturday is probably Brock Vandegrift because Vandegrift is the one that determines is this a real competition or not. You know, let's say that Vandegrift, you know, whatever, just wave a magic wand and he disappears. Would Georgia feel okay about starting Carson Beck if there was no Brock Vandegrift? I think the indication we have is, yeah, they probably would feel okay about that. But Georgia wants a competition because they want to make sure if Beck does win that he really was the best guy or they want him made better by being pushed hard by a guy like Vandegrift or they're okay with the alternative here too which is hey we saw Beck he was the number two quarterback a year ago he looked pretty good there in that spot I think Georgia would have been okay playing him but my gosh the former five-star Brock Vandegrift just performed so well during practice that he you, you couldn't deny him you couldn't say no to him you had to uh, ascend him to that role of starting quarterback that's why Georgia wants this competition and that's why I believe seeing what Vandergrift does to truly really make this a real full-fledged competition on Saturday is so interesting and I'll revisit something else that happened on yesterday's show for a minute here too near the end and if you uh, missed this you should go back and hear it for yourself near the end of yesterday's show we had the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm 
on our program. One of the few guys out there that kind of knows what Carson Beck and Brock Vanderriff feel like because uh, Jake Fromm himself has been a part of quarterback competitions here at Georgia with Kirby Smart as his head coach. He knows the feeling that both these guys are going through right now. And I posed the question to him that I just stated to you that Brock Vandergriff feels like, to me, the most interesting player for Georgia on Saturday. And I thought that Jake Fromm had a really interesting thing to say in response to that. This is Jake on Brock Vandergriff. This is from yesterday. It's kind of that allure of the unknown. You know, we've seen Carson come in, play in games, done well, got the big arm, uh, made some good throws. Uh, but it's just kind of this, this unknown element where it's like, hey, what, what exactly is Brock Vandergriff? Um, you know, like you alluded to earlier, uh, the, uh, the quarterbacks being in different color jerseys, not going to be able to see the full skill set of Brock and what he can do with his legs. But, you know, I, I kind of see Brock maybe even being a, a Stetson on steroids, a, mm-hmm. a bigger body, even more athletic. Gosh, it's kind of, really kind of tough to say, more athletic than Stetson, more athletic than Stetson, um, and be able to make some off-schedule plays. And uh, I think it will be really fun to watch. So when you hear what – Jake Fromm says about Brock Vandergriff right there. And by the way, Jake's a guy who's still pretty close to this program. He knows these quarterbacks pretty well. When you hear him saying what he's saying right there about Brock Vandergriff, you can't help but think, wow, that's really interesting. That Stetson Bennett was tabbed as the Georgia quarterback in part because of his athleticism. And what Jake Fromm says there is, is that Brock Vandergriff is kind of a bigger version of that same athleticism. And if not, even maybe slightly more athletic. That's a very interesting description there on that, by the way. It's also worth pointing out when uh, <laughs> when Jake says that Brock Vandergriff is Stetson Bennett on steroids, it's, it's worth pointing out that he doesn't actually mean that he's on steroids. He just means that sort of an inflated version of the athleticism that we saw from Stetson Bennett uh, a year ago. That's the same level of athleticism just coming in a bigger body, which I think is a very interesting potential description on all of this. And as we've talked about, when you look at G-Day, this is not exactly a game format that necessarily suits Vandergriff's skill set quite as well as we think it suits Brock, uh, I should say, uh, 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 Carson Beck's skill set. That Carson Beck is the guy that sort of stands there and throws darts. You know, Vandergriff's one of those guys that wants to move around a little bit more and he wants to elude tacklers and he wants to keep play alive with his legs he may run for positive yardage or he may scramble around and give himself a chance buy himself some time to make a big throw well you're not doing that in g-day that's the stuff you do during the fall so what we've said is hey if vandergriff looks the part on saturday along with carson back then that only increases the likelihood that as you get closer and closer to real football this September, that that Brock Vandergriff could be a real threat to actually win this starting quarterback job, which sort of takes us back to something we said about Carson Beck, you know, a few times here. And, you know, it's not my intention to stir the pot and make this more than it is, but I think what I'm saying here is probably true. You know, Carson Beck has played in some football games for Georgia. He has played in real games in which the final score got written down and saved for uh, you know, saved for all of history. And yet, I think the most pressure-packed moment that Beck has probably faced in his Georgia career probably comes on Saturday because this is, in a lot of ways, an on-the-job audition or an interview of sorts to kind of show that he's supposed to be the Georgia starting quarterback. And given the fact that he has played in games, given the fact that he's been here, this is now his fourth year on campus, given the fact that he was last year's backup, given the fact that he was sort of viewed as the favorite to win this job coming into it, 
I think you have to say that there is more pressure to perform on Beck on Saturday than there probably is on Vandegrift. Now, I'm not trying to put undue pressure on Carson. I think if Carson were sitting here right now, he'd probably acknowledge that himself, that he wants to show some distance. He wants to say, hey, look at where I am. There's some space between me and Vandegrift right now. I'm just able to go out here and make the offense hum more efficiently. I'm just more capable of doing that. And by the way, if he shows that, then it would seem like he is probably then well on his way to doing what a lot of Georgia fans thought he was going to do anyway, which is win that starting quarterback job. And once again, to hear from Jake Fromm on this point, seems like he sort of agrees that for the guy in back who has kind of had a lot of component pieces in place that make you think he's supposed to be in the starter. Putting all of that on display on Saturday, it, sound like, it sounds like Jake is kind of on the same page with us on this. Once again, Jake from, from yesterday. I mean, I hate to say it, but there is definitely a lot more pressure on Carson than the other two guys um, because he is, he's the guy that is, who's going to be running out with the one, the guy they're expecting to be the guy, uh, a guy that should be the guy. So, um, look, uh, as uh, uh, the quarterbacks, the way it kind of goes in that room right now, everybody's looking at Carson uh, to be the guy. And, uh, I mean, sadly enough, I mean, that, that's where the pressure is going to be. It's going to be on him. And um, if I'm Brock, if I'm Gunner right now, I'm going to go out and play free and play my game. Yeah, so obviously what Jake's kind of saying there is, hey, in the case of Brock, certainly in the case of Gunner, these are younger quarterbacks. You know, they've got way more time in the system. Whereas, you know, Brock, uh, Carson probably feels like his moment is right now. And so, therefore, that probably does put – a little bit of pressure and I think that's kind of okay I don't think we're being unfair to Carson by saying that I think if you're Carson Beck handling pressure well is one of the things you want because that's one of the ways that you show that you're worthy of being the starting quarterback but there's also a chance as our friend Raleigh Dog points out here in our Dog Nation comment section I happen to look down and see it that hey maybe Carson Beck is ready and maybe Brock Vandegraaff is ready too and maybe Gunnar Stockton can be ready there as well I mean it could just be that George is loaded at quarterback there is no bad choice it's simply about trying to figure out what the best choice is to me this is one of the things that makes g-day really fun rave reviews supposedly these georgia quarterbacks have uh kind of drawn thus far this spring and that could be the case i certainly haven't heard anything bad said about them yet they get a chance to show us all whether you're watching on tv or happen to be in the stadium i think this sets up to be about as fun a g-day as we've experienced carson beck gets his time in the sun brock vandergriff gets to show what he's all about there as well and frankly georgia fans i think are rightly thinking here let the best man win my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management, and happy to have you with us. Whether you join us 945, first in 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, reference that a moment ago, or 10 a.m. across all the other video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, just happy to have you with us here across all of the video platforms. Uh, radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Google Podcast Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com, listening directly on SoundCloud, on and on you could go. So many ways to hear the podcast, whichever way you choose, whatever way you prefer to have our show as a part of your life. We're just appreciative of you for doing it. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible there as well. You know, they're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. So when you're there in the stadium on Saturday and you're looking around at Sanford Stadium or if you're you know, part of the uh, other great sports venues this time of year, just know that those stadiums, those venues protected uh, by Breda Pass Management, bugs, for critters, from termites, things like that. And that same level of protection that UGA trusts 
you can actually have that same level of protection with your own home there as well or your business your uh, commercial property whatever you have going on there breda pass management wants to take good care of you and listen for a company like this they've been in business since 1975 they got 125 or whatever employees this is a well-resourced company, and the strength they've developed over the course of that time so strong they've been recognized uh, by UGA as the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That's that that strength, that level of resource, you can leverage that yourself by saving money. That means if you're working with some fly-by-night termite company, something like that, and every year you get that letter in the mail, sorry, cost of service going to go up, and blah blah blah. You've kind of gotten that before. Well, that's not going to happen at Braided Pass Management. You're going to make more money, put more money back in your pocket instantly just for making that switch to Braided Pass Management. It's time to do that. Go to BradedPass.com. It's B-R-E-D-A. BradedPass.com. I love Matt Braden and his whole family. Uh, met uh, them many times. Big sports fans. You know, Matt's going to be at Georgia Games all the time. Big Braves fan, too. You just see him, you know, around town a lot. So it's kind of fun to do business with folks who are kind of into the same stuff we are. And you better believe the folks over there at Braded Pass Management, they are a, a big part of that. So find them online. Uh, BradedPass.com. That's B-R-E-D-A. BradedPass.com. All right. We're going to do a conversation with Mike Griffith here coming up in just a moment. A good preview of G-Day. We'll look forward to getting that from Mike here, his thoughts on that. Prior to that, though, I want to mention a couple of things around the doghouse. Let me start with this. So we just did a whole bunch on quarterback and what's going to happen there between these guys. Uh, you know, we, we kind of sort of primarily view this as Carson Beck versus Brock Vandegrift with Gunnar Stockton also a part of this. But that's not the only intense competition that's currently taking place for UGA right now. I think there's also something really interesting happening at left tackle there as well. And this is one of those things for me that's all good because, as I've told you before, my biggest concern about Georgia kind of coming into the spring, or and I think this probably actually did count as my single biggest concern, was I expected Georgia to have two good starters at the tackle spots. I was a little bit concerned about the depth behind that. But the fact that this competition between Austin Blasky and Ernest Green, Green obviously the much higher rated recruit, Blasky, a guy who just seem, seems like he doesn't want to be denied, um, you know, very, very tough guy. The way in which this competition has played out has made me feel better of, well, somebody's going to win it, but the guy that doesn't win it seems like he's certainly a capable player who if you had to insert him in the lineup, and at some point in time you probably will because tackles get hurt, then Georgia's probably – okay there too that suddenly the intensity of this competition has actually made me feel better about the overall tackle depth that exists around the Georgia program with that in mind Kirby Smart on Saturday gave you a little bit of an update about how it's working right now between Blasky and Green and what sounds like is just some good football between these two guys right now and really both of them kind of benefiting the Georgia offensive line overall when they're in uh, for these reps during scrimmages and things like that this is Kirby on what's happening there at left tackle right now uh, they're both doing a good job they're competing hard they're rotating in there uh, they both are uh exceptional kids they're great kids to be around they both practice really hard they're both extremely physical uh they both have had dinged up injuries and neither one has flinched i mean like they won't come out you know Ernest waves somebody off because you know he wants to stay out there and get his reps and his ankles dinged up one time blasky the same thing whether it's shoulder or knee i see the guy limping he he wants his reps and and i respect more than anything a guy's you know mental and physical toughness they both have that and uh, they both done a great job I mean we have not made it to a season in I think four years that we didn't have a starting tackle miss a game so it tells me you better have three tackles um, and we're trying really hard to develop three to four tackles 
So I really like that from Kirby Smart. I, I do. And the point he makes there at the end, it's also what I was talking about a moment ago there as well, which is, you know, you want that additional tackle depth that it's not. I mean, Georgia last couple of years has had not only great tackles. I mean, you felt good, great about obviously Broder Jones going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in April. Uh, you know, you felt great about Warren McClendon, but you also knew you had a guy like Amarius Mims waiting in the wings. And when Georgia had to move into the starting lineup for the college football playoff, it seemed like the offense didn't skip a beat. So if you're trying to replicate what you had a year ago, you not only have to get two brand new full season starters ready, but you've got to have other guys waiting the wings. And so what I'm left to conclude here is, you know, I had, you know, Ernest Green kind of written in stone to be the starter. And that's probably just on the base of the fact that he was the higher overall rated recruit. Um, at the uh, beginning of the uh, uh, season. But it sounds like Austin Blassie is one of those guys who's performing right now far better than his recruiting ranking would have suggested. So I'm fairly agnostic about this as a Georgia fan. It can be green. It can be Blasky. I'm just glad Georgia's got both of them here right now. And as Kirby Smart said, hey, listen, you also want that fourth tackle to emerge too. That goes back to something that Jeff Sintel told us about on Friday. On his list of freshmen to watch, uh, Monroe Freeling is a part of that that's an incoming guy young player but listen as Kirby Smart said plenty of times if you're good enough you're old enough so you know Freeling might be that next tackle to give Georgia that full amount of depth there at the tackle position uh, one of the things that's going to be fun to watch on G-Day and maybe one of those things if you're not paying close attention to it you might miss maybe you take your binoculars to the stadium with you or maybe you're rewinding that you know uh, you know, live TV uh, a couple of times to kind of see who's moving people as, as an offensive lineman, who's who's really kind of building a wall for these quarterbacks, you know, taking some time to kind of watch some of that. I would imagine that's going to be a big part of what G-Day is about on Saturday. And kind of while we're in the kind of the around the doghouse mood here for a moment, let me also shout out Georgia for yesterday getting a uh, wide receiver commit from a, a guy. I told you yesterday I wasn't too familiar with a Natarian Tuggle who committed to the program yesterday, uh, but <laughs> – once you find out that he goes by Nitro, that his name is Nitro Tuggle, you're like, well, okay, well, that tells you everything you know. He's at least going to be a two-time All-SEC performer just on the basis of that name alone. Nitro Tuggle is a very, very cool name. I also saw where he's on Twitter yesterday kind of giving a shout-out to Dylan Riola doing some recruiting on behalf of UGA. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned Mr. Tuggle there. Uh, nice commitment announcement for George yesterday at the wide receiver spot. Really cool name, obviously. And another one of those guys kind of pointing in the direction of uh, uh, Dylan Riola here for that class of 2024. So we'll see how all of that plays out. All right. We got a really fun show. Before we're done, something from Alabama's perspective. We gave you some bad news with the Crimson Tide yesterday. I think I may have a little bit more bad news to give you about Alabama here today. If I'm a Bama fan, something I'm kind of concerned about. We'll tell you about that and a whole lot more other stuff going around the SEC before we're all said and done. But for now. On everything as it relates to G-Day, getting ready for a fun Saturday between the hedges, let's talk to Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always glad to have Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. Looking forward to seeing him back in Athens on Saturday. Just kind of fun to kind of get everybody back together uh, between the hedges uh, there at Sanford Stadium. A little bit of a different look for the stadium. I know the south side still, south side of the stadium still pretty, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, in progress with some construction going on. But nonetheless, we're going to have a fun day uh, anyway. And uh, Mike, let me bring you on the discussion I was just having there a moment ago. We'll get to quarterback and stuff like that. But 
I think one of the real interesting developments for Georgia thus far this spring has been the competition between Austin Blasky and Ernest Green. And I don't mind admitting this. I mean, we have a tendency here to fixate on the higher rated recruit. That's clearly, uh, you know, that's clearly what Green is. Uh, but Austin Blasky, much less heralded as a recruit, it sounds like he's a real fighter. It sounds like you know he's brought a lot of toughness to this competition, and Ernest Grain's trying to match that there as well. My feeling on this, just knowing that Georgia has two capable performers at left tackle, at the very least speaks to potentially good depth for the program. But what have you made of that competition uh, between Blasky and uh, Ernest Green? Sounds like it's been a pretty hard-fought battle thus far. Well, it has, but I want to take off on Nitro. I think I think Nitro's on to something. I think we could have uh, Boom Boom, Brandon Adams, and Killer, Connor Riley, Jeff the Animal, Centel. I think I think he's on to something with this marketing deal, but uh, seriously, as far as that left tackle, like you said, there's nothing bad about this. This is fantastic that Blasky is, you know, kind of this Swiss Army knife guy, and I know that uh, you know, you know, Cade Mays didn't leave in the best of ways, but let's face it, he was very valuable when he was with Georgia because of his ability to play different positions. And Blasky kind of strikes me in that same vein. I mean, here's a guy that can play tackle. Here's a guy that can play center, uh, probably guard. And as Kirby pointed out, um, what is it, the last four years, they haven't gotten through the last four years without a tackle missing a game. So it tells him that you need to have depth at that position. And we know that winning national championships, they're – you know, really all about the journey. Uh, you know, the last two years, there's times there's been potential stumbling blocks when Georgia had to reach deep and, and heroes had to step up. And, you know, maybe players that we didn't necessarily count on before became difference makers. And you just never know when and where that'll be. I guess I think back, Brandon, to the 2021 championship game. And, you know, Georgia's offense really struggled for three quarters. I mean, it was really actually bad. I remember on that cruise we went on last year, we all watched it in like the first three quarters. We all just kind of looked at each other going, oh, I forgot about that part, until they brought Broderick in and shifted Jamari Sellier inside, and it just took off. So that was a great example of how offensive line depth and quality uh, can make a difference, and I think that's, I think this is more of the same. One of the things we've talked about a little bit here the last couple of days are some of these incoming freshmen. Georgia obviously has a lot of them. I think that's just kind of the new trend. Uh, what, sort of 20, 21, something like that? Big, big number of early enrollees going through spring practice. You know, based on what you've heard or your own curiosity, who are some freshmen to watch for Georgia on Saturday, you think? Yeah, it's a great trend at Georgia. I don't, I don't know if other schools are getting that amount or that quality. Probably not. I mean, this is part of Georgia's great recruiting. Is it's almost like you get another half a season. So when you start the year, these are these are. So, look at Malachi Starks, great example. You know, last year midterm and really. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the question is, it, it, it's twofold. Where do you need them to step up, and who's look good? I mean, the name we all keep hearing and speaking of nicknames is Lawson Lucky. Um, you know, that, that that sounds like a pretty good name to yeah, me. It does. It does. I mean, yeah. and, and everything I keep hearing is. You know, this is a guy that people that have gone to the practices say this guy stands out, and Kirby's mentioned him enough times, and you're going, wow, maybe there's something to I mean, there's already a Brock Bowers there, and, and he's not, you know, in the same kind of vein as a Darnell where he's just going to mash people. But if, if you could maintain – don't forget Oscar Delp, I mean, but my goodness, um, this guy is, is an impact player, right? We heard a lot about Rod Robinson early on, the freshman running back and. You know, what might he add and how might he be called upon? And, you know, we think that Andrew Paul will be back before long. We think Kendall Milton, we've been told, will be back running this summer. And Dejon Edwards been plagued a little bit with the hamstrings. But if, if you know that you've got a guy like that in the making, 
Oh, that's exciting. The midterm enrollees, maybe not freshmen, but I, I want to see what Dom Lovett looks like. I want to see if Missouri's best receiver from a year ago and Mississippi State's best receiver can get into the fold at Georgia and, and be difference makers. Um, so those are some of the guys. And then I've already seen the eyeball test for Mpemba and, and Wilson and, and uh, Gabe. I, you know, when you see these, you wait a minute, what, what senior? No, that's, not, that's, a, that's a freshman. These guys have the look now. Kirby has kind of hinted, Brandon, that, that they got to get the work ethic. And I thought he really laid down the law at that last press conference. Like, we, we didn't ask him about it. I mean, Kirby doesn't often come in there, you know, necessarily with some narrative to spin. I mean, he's got a pretty solid take on everything, you know, premeditated. But he, it's not like he wants to advertise it. But this time he did. And he came in there and said, there's two distinctly different groups on this team. And, I, and my takeaway was, those young guys better get it. They better learn how to compete at the Georgia level, and and this is an issue with teams that try to, you know, build dynasties. Is how does it translate? How do you make it so these young guys realize there's a lot of hard work to be done? You don't just show up and put on the G. Um, I mean, you you got to grind and you got to fight, and and it seemed to be like that's what Kirby wanted for these young guys to be able to take the message from the classroom to the field. And so just in general, when you talk about G-Day, I want to see if some of those young guys, I want to see which ones are able to take the message to the field on G-Day. Yeah, it's kind of interesting the way that Kirby Smart described that. You know, what was he said, like, uh, between guys who've been here only a year and guys who have just gotten here, it's basically almost like half the team has a year experience or left. Or something. You know, whatever it was that he said was something along the lines of the way that he described it, you make you kind of make you think of, oh, yeah, well, if you put it that way, you know, there are a lot of guys who are only kind of just now getting acclimated to what Georgia football is all about, which to me I sort of look at as two sides of the same coin. On the one hand – these are guys that you're having to try to train up to understand what the Georgia way sort of is. But on the other side of this, Mike, this is what's cool about, I would say, college football compared to NFL or professional sports. We have the same roster maybe for a long period of time. The notion of complacency and things like that. Sometimes new players bring new energy. And, you know, they saw N'Kobe Dean and all those guys get their championship in 2021. And a bunch of guys got their championship in 2022. And all of a sudden, now some of this new blood has a chance to put their fingerprints on a trophy the same way these guys have the last couple of years. So, while on the one hand, the inexperience, I'm sure, probably concerns coaches because they're trying to train these guys up. On the other hand, that new blood brings that new energy sometimes too, doesn't it? It can. It can. As long as you maintain the right mentality. You know, that's what's so important here is, you know, you, you think about the lessons that, you know, Jordan Davis and, and they, they go all the way. I mean, these guys go all the way back to Roquan when, when they talk about guys that, that set the tone or the tenor, the, the Chubbs, uh, the Michelles. They go back to that 2017 and how the message was carried on. Richie LeCount, a, a verbal leader for – uh, quite some time, and um, you know Trayvon Walker, the way he stepped up in his final year. Different guys, Andrew Thomas, uh, can Cedric Van Pran imprint on these young men? Can Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden, as Kirby Smart called them in his office earlier, and said, "Look, here's you guys on tape a year ago, and here's what you look like now. Are you the same?" And they said, "You know what? No, you know they weren't practicing with the same." sense of urgency and one thing i'm a little concerned about you know i felt like the last two years brandon with clemson and oregon staring down the barrel barrel at this georgia team like these guys knew look you better be on point day one you got you got an opponent that's capable of beating you 
uh, with the talent, right? We didn't know what to expect from Oregon. Now, Munkin would later tell us, oh, that was the easiest game to prepare for all year. Dan did the same thing we practiced against every day. I didn't think of it like that back then, but in hindsight, I suppose he was right. But but when you've got uh, UT Martin and you've got Ball State, I, I don't know that that raises, you know, is it just human nature? And so what Kirby's got to do is he's got to help manufacture this sense of urgency and the make them comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And and how do you do that? How do you manufacture that when you're a preseason number one, when you're a two-time champion? Look, nobody's three-peated since Minnesota in the 1930s, and I don't even know how many people cared about football back then. So there's a reason why it hasn't happened, and Georgia is battling history and human nature to try to do something that, as I said yesterday, if Kirby wins three in a row, Brandon, he's on the Mount Rushmore. He's that fourth guy with Spurrier, Saban, and the Bear on the SEC Mount Rushmore. If he wins three in a row, and this whole conversation about Alabama and Georgia, which to me has jumped the shark, I mean, Georgia's won the last two, we're not having it any. We don't have to keep listening to Alabama fans talk about, well, Georgia hasn't beaten so many teams on the road. Well, they don't play them. That's not their fault. You know, I mean, they, they beat who they put in front of them. They haven't lost a regular season game in three years, for goodness sake. So I want to see Georgia get the three-peat. I love our two-peat T-shirt. I'm ready to see a three-peat T-shirt. I'm there ready for that conversation. No, that's really good stuff. Mike, a little bit of time we have left. Uh, what's on your mind about this quarterback uh, competition that is going to be on display on Saturday? Fans get a chance to see all the stuff they've heard whisper and innuendo about over the course of these last couple of weeks. I think it's really fun. It's about as entertaining a G-Day as I can remember from that standpoint. What's on your mind about what we'll see from the signal callers on Saturday? Well, you and Jake Fromm had a fantastic conversation about it yesterday. Let me say that. That was fascinating. And, you know, the direction that you led Jake and the fact that he followed you there. I mean, I'm here. Brandon's leading Jake to the trough, and I'm going, Jake's not going to drink that water, Brandon. (laughs) But there he was, drinking the water. Yeah, Carson Beck, a lot of pressure on him. Oh, yeah, game-like situation. This is important. I'm going, wow. Like, this. why didn't I get that, Jake, when he was a player? You know, it's like truth serum. You, You drinks it on dog nation back when he was a player everything was vanilla but i'll tell you jake Fromm not afraid to speak his mind on dog nation daily and with some tremendous insight and and i'm following jake's lead i think he's right i think we're going to find out about i think carson beck has to be feeling some pressure i think carson beck has to want to but this is the delicate balance on the one hand carson beck wants to be the gunfighter and show you his arm and show you the playmaking but on the other, he's got that other. He's got that other little angel on the other shoulder going, uh-uh-uh. Coach Smart says, don't take chances if you don't have to. Throw it away on third down. Live for another day. And then you got Vandergriff, who who I think is, you know, what did Jake call him? Stetson on steroids? And, and can run through all these tackles, but there's going to be a quick whistle. So we're not really going to get to see Vandergriff do Vandergriff things because of the nature of the game. And, and then there's Gunnar Stockton. He's saying, guys, don't forget about me. I'm starting to learn the offense. Give me a chance. Um, okay, we will, but it's probably going to be Vandergriff or Beck, right? So it, it, there's a lot of dynamics and interesting facets to what these quarterbacks do. What they don't do is probably just as important and how this game plays out. And I also think there's something to be said for kind of pretty football. I mean, Mike, I don't know how many spring games you've attended across the SEC, but I know it's a large number. These games aren't always pretty, and I don't 
pretty not a word we describe football with with a lot. But you know what I'm talking about. Like Auburn last Saturday had a very ugly spring game, and that was weather marred. So I won't completely I won't completely trash them for it because it was raining. But Mike, I think you and I both have sat through some sloppy spring games where it's just kind of eh. Like, I think I'm going to give credit to both these quarterbacks on Saturday if this game looks crisp, right? Even if it's a somewhat easy throw or even if it's a running play. If the game looks crisp, if it looks well played, if the offenses have a little bit of a hum to them, I'm going to give the quarterback some credit for that, even if it's not a 40-yard pass down the field. There's something to be said for the word that Smart's used a few times this spring. There's something to be said for the administration of all this, you know, just kind of getting out there and making it move and making it hum and putting on a nice show for television, a nice show for the tens of thousands of fans are going to be there. There's a part of me that that wants to evaluate this beyond just the sort of basic, ooh, this guy really threw it really far or this guy threw a very tight spiral. There's a part of me that just wants to see crisply clean played football. And that, to me, sort of speaks to quarterback, too. Well, it does, and, but I just I don't know how much we can read into it. I'm, I'm pulling up the 2021 G-Day box score, and JT was 28 of 41 for 324 yards and three touchdowns, and Carson was 22 of 31 for 236, and Stetson was three of four for 58. I mean, now down here I see Javon Bullard, this guy. Who's this Javon Bullard guy with seven tackles? We hadn't heard about him much about right. him. Who's this Mile Munden guy with five? I right. mean, there were some signs of the defensive players there. But from an offensive stand, and then last year, I think I got in trouble for this because I thought Carson Beck looked better than anybody last year. Uh, Stetson fifteen to thirty-five, two picks, two seventy-three. Carson thirteen to twenty-one, two forty-six. So to your point, there can be clean football, but I don't know that that's a good sign. Uh, you know, because it's number ones on number ones. Uh, first of all, how are they going to divvy that up? That's the other question because yeah. they've been splitting the number ones. Um, so that's kind of intriguing. Who has who for a support cast? Who has to go against the number one defense? I think it was, was it 2019 or 2020? It had to be 2019 or 2018, actually, within 2019. When I think Jake threw a pick six, I think Eric, I want to say Eric Stokes might have baited him into a pick six early in that scrimmage because he do. So I'm with you. I, I, I like seeing the, the pretty, and I think we will. But I don't think we can get too caught up in it. I think we're going to see Carson Beck's arm strength and arm challenge. I think we're going to see Brock Vandegrift's mobility. I think we're going to see some receivers make some plays. I think we're going to see some defensive players make some plays. Uh, and, then, and we're going to see some guys get hit and run. Remember a couple years ago when, when, when Dirty Dan Jackson came up and, and Darnell just like ran over him? We were all like holding our breath to see if Dan Jackson was still in one piece at the end of that play. We're going to see some moments like that. But we don't get to see it in the totalitarian um, added, uh, emphasis of, oh, my gosh, it looks like a foot. We're just going to see just enough to go, yep, this guy has, has got this and this guy's got that. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be exciting and entertaining. And, and, uh, and, and I'm, way, I'm, I'm eager for it because, like you said, there's so many young midterm enrollees, whether it's 21 or 22 and the transfers, so many new faces and new names and new numbers to learn um, for this this three-peat championship quest. Mike, it's great to talk to you. Looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, I think the weather, I think, is supposed to be nice. So uh, all systems pointing towards uh, a very, very enjoyable spring Saturday between the hedges on Saturday. So we're looking forward to your coverage of it all, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you then. Thanks, Brandon. We'll see you. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I've sort of said this plenty of times in the past that I um 
you know, I, I'm not that into defense on G-Day, which is a weird thing to say, I have to admit, because obviously the Georgia defense is amazing. But, I mean, Georgia's going to have some fire breathers that are not playing on Saturday. We know that. Uh, you know, schematically, they're kind of hampered anyway by, I mean, <laughs> like what Georgia does to quarterbacks, they don't want Georgia doing that to its own quarterback. So uh, they're already kind of hampered in terms of what they're going to be allowed to do. So what do you? So how do you evaluate what you see defensively? I mean, obviously the look of guys is going to be an important part of that. I, I think we've certainly been hearing a lot about a pretty spirited competition at secondary defensive back. Uh, obviously a cornerback position up for grabs. I do think you can kind of judge how so and so is running step for step in pass coverage. I, I do think that translates to the fall. That's one of those things I do think you can see. Um, obviously they'll you know if they're out there playing for two hours they're going to be some big hits you'll judge some of that there as well you know watching how a guy moves laterally side to side i think you get some of that but i've, I've said this before that and i don't make any you know secret about this i view g-day as an offensive exhibition uh, exhibition i don't really view this as a day to evaluate the georgia defense georgia could score 100 points on saturday i don't believe it will but it could score 100 points combined on Saturday, and I wouldn't think one thing about the defense. I really wouldn't because I don't think this is a defensive day. It's not supposed to be, I don't believe. So there are still some things you can evaluate from that, though, and there'll be plenty of talk uh, about that. And a lot of this is going to be about how guys look, how guys move, and certainly you know, in the pass coverage situation against what we think is a pretty good crop of Georgia wide receivers who's running step for step in coverage right there in what sounds like it's been – kind of a nasty competition over there at that one cornerback spot with a lot of guys putting their hand in the air saying I want to be on the football field so uh, doesn't get much better than that and uh, we'll get a chance to see like a Tyke Smith you know in kind of a bigger role maybe so some of that's going to be fun uh, on Saturday as well even though admittedly I'm a little bit pro offense on a day like this all right one thing I meant to ask Mike about and forgot to it's like we're getting very very close to the dog nation cruise and mike's going to be a part of it so i didn't get a chance to ask him about that i should have uh but nonetheless it allowed me to segue here into cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and you know for those of you who cruise you kind of know this there's that moment when the cruise gets closer when you start getting those like messages and you're kind of registering there's like a little bit of procedural stuff that has to be done and every time you do something like that it starts to feel really real and you maybe you're visiting that royal caribbean app and stuff like that which by the way they have a great app fun for using on board things like that for you know planning your shows your entertainment your dining things like that there's that kind of moment when you kind of get inside of a couple of weeks here or inside of, even really kind of inside of a month that's really when it kind of starts to sort of crank up where it feels really real and uh i would say the dog nation cruise right now feels really real so can't wait to be on board with you hundreds of folks gonna be there with us on this one this time and we're so excited about it i'm telling y'all i am just ready to go so uh if you can't be on board this one with us i would say the next best thing you can do is plan your own royal caribbean cruise vacation our friend jessica slater going to help you do it 770-718-9147 that's her number 770-718-9147 and by the way uh not too soon to start thinking about january of 2024 the debut of icon of the seas if you're watching on video you see some footage of that kind of artist rendered footage if you will but this is going to be a completely different experience than royal caribbean's ever offered before kind of redefining what a cruise vacation is all about uh, i'm really fascinated by this because you know I, obviously i've been on a good number of royal caribbean cruise ships and some of the ways in which this ship's going to be laid out it's going to be very different before i think it's going to be enhanced there's some unbelievable concepts in terms of the largest water park at sea and some of the really cool things they're providing here so i think it's a really cool thing and i can't wait to see it and boy oh boy i really hope 
I really, really hope that somehow, some way, I get a chance to taste this early 2024. Can I tell you what it's all about? I feel like my job as a endorser of sorts for Royal Caribbean, I feel like it would just be easier to do my job and tell you about uh, Icon of the Seas if I actually had a chance to be on the ship. So hopefully that'll all work out. We'll see if that uh, actually plays out that way. Nonetheless, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean here right now. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you about yesterday, and I didn't have a chance to do it, but I want to do it uh, right now. So Paul Feinbaum made an appearance on WJOX morning show in Birmingham. Does it every Monday. I like to kind of listen to him sometimes because it's a pretty good, I mean, kind of survey of what what is making news in the SEC right now. And on Monday, some of the subject of Auburn came up. Auburn had just had its spring game. We told you earlier this week, it's a pretty ugly spring game. Some of that due to the weather. Some of that due to the fact that Auburn's not very good. Um, but Paul Feinbaum was asked about the fact that right now, expectations seem to be really low at Auburn. Now, try to find the quote. I want to read it to you. Um, he says, I think that fans are now at Auburn immune to mediocrity. And they just they just can't demand more until they give someone time. Uh, he says, you know, this obviously some of this related to Brian Harson, the fact that Brian Harson was below the standard of what the SEC requires. But even kind of the tail end of the Gus Malzahn era, where it seems like, you know, one of the things that probably got Gus in trouble there at Auburn was he said something to the effect of, you know, trying to win that fourth SEC game and kind of treating that as a good thing when that's essentially just 500 at the SEC level. That's way below what Auburn fans had kind of expected prior to that. But kind of since then, Auburn fans have, I think, kind of lowered their standard for the program. It's a very interesting evaluation of where things stand. Now, I've told you plenty of times before, I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. I really do. Now, is he a good man? That's for you to decide. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary but but nonetheless I do think he's a good coach and there's plenty of evidence to support that point of view there too so if there is any coach capable of kind of making that transition where Auburn fans can kind of believe again I have to say that I think that Hugh Freeze is about as capable of providing that as anybody right now the roster is not in place to be able to do that what Freeze has said and we gave you this quote on our show the other day I forget what day it was is they're going to hope to be very active in this transfer portal coming up, very active in this portal. So I think whatever becomes available over the course of that two-week period post-G-Day, and I'm not saying off the Georgia roster, I'm just saying just transfers in general, it just sort of happens to begin the day of G-Day, April 15th. Whatever enters that portal from across the country over the course of that two-week period that I think is going to determine a team like Auburn how chance how much of a chance they have to make any noise in Hugh Freeze year one, and this is really probably a two three year story for a guy that has won games the SECs, be, beaten Nick Saban twice. You know he beat Kirby Smart, and the only time he you know faced him, of course, that was a very different Georgia team in 2016. But the point is, that Hugh Freeze won some games the SEC. I think he's going to have a chance to win games at Auburn. We'll see if he has a chance to sort of resurrect some of that belief there on the plains, which Paul Feinbaum says has kind of disappeared now speaking of auburn y'all don't care about media stuff i totally understand that totally get this but how many times has for those of you who read articles online things like that espn.com how many articles has espn.com written profiling lane kiffin does it not seem like they do one of these like every month it's like the big profile of whatever's on lane kiffin's mind at that particular time obviously part of this is the fact that lane kiffin is very accessible to espn uh, my one big complaint with ESPN's college football coverage is they are more than willing to trade favorable coverage for access. They do this with Nick Saban. They do this with Lane Kiffin. They, it's just very obvious how ESPN plays the game on this kind of stuff. A lot of the national media does that. ESPN, I think, does it pretty egregiously when it comes to Saban and Kiffin in particular. This is like the 
I don't know, it seems like they do one of these every month, some long story about the inner workings of Lane Kiffin's psyche and his heart and his mind and whatever else. And so in this particular case, it's Alex Garber, who I don't know, don't dislike as a writer. I think he's written some good stuff uh, doing one of these long profiles on Lane Kiffin this time about, you know, what went into the decision to consider going to Auburn and what went into the decision to consider staying at Ole Miss. And you can read the whole thing for yourself. But ultimately, you kind of left with a couple of key takeaways here. Two things. First of all, the timing of this article is intentional. Kiffin's willingness to sort of sit down for another one of these interviews uh, is intentional because, as I said, that transfer portal window is about to open up again. And for Kiffin, this is another commercial of, hey, we are open for business here at Ole Miss. There are a bunch of SEC teams that want transfers and they want them bad. And what they're talking about right now is, is not – you know, guys who happen to be in the transfer portal. This is about that guy who's on the fence about entering the portal. Some of this is, hey, transfer and we'll take you. Uh, you know, some of the, you know, we talk about tampering all the time around here. We think that college football should pay more attention to that, but no one seems to care. Uh, this is one of those things of, hey, you know, we, we, got, we got the open for business sign up right now. And so uh, that's part of the reason why Kiffin would sit down for an interview like this at ESPN.com. The other thing is this. And we don't really care about this because Ole Miss is not really on our radar. Oxford, Mississippi is actually a pretty long way from here, uh, from where I'm sitting. But the people in Oxford, the people around the Ole Miss football program, they do care about this. Lane Kiffin was not a popular figure in Oxford at the end of this past season. He was not. Um, A lot of Ole Miss fans were really embarrassed about how all of that played out. And Kiffin in this particular story tries to explain himself a little bit, uh, including the decision – to kind of have all of this kind of hang, the decision about going to Auburn or not sort of hanging over the Egg Bowl game there against Mississippi State again. They lost, by the way. So I'll, I'll just read you one quote here. Kiffin saying, so you can look at that and say, all right, there's something we wish we wouldn't have have happened. The whole Auburn thing was a distraction. But you can also look at it and say, if that didn't happen, what would the collective be? And not just in what we signed in the last portal in recruiting class, but the future, or more importantly, keeping our own players. So to me, that seems like sort of a weird thing of – Lane Kiffin almost saying, hey, you should thank me for what I did. I got news for you. There are a bunch of folks around Oxford, Mississippi that don't want to thank Lane Kiffin for anything. They want Lane Kiffin to start winning some football games and stop making excuses for why you can't recruit high school players and start doing something with the transfers you brought in because the high-profile quarterback you brought in from USC a year ago, Jackson Dart, wasn't very good. And that's why you had to bring in two more transfer quarterbacks here this year. So and this is one of those things that if all you did was read ESPN.com, You'd think Lane Kiffin was at the top of the sport, but instead what he actually is is losing to his in-state rival, flirting with taking a job, creating media wars with local reporters over you know rumors that everyone knew had some substance to them. And Kiffin's own university community is pretty bothered by what he did. So part of this ESPN story on the part of Lane Kiffin is a way of trying to explain what was a little bit of an embarrassing chapter in his tenure there at Ole Miss, and that's probably worth noticing. And then finally there's this. I noticed that Greg McElroy, the former Alabama quarterback, who's been pretty outspoken, pretty outspoken this offseason, he made an appearance on one of those like streaming video shows that people do. And uh, talking about Jalen Milrow, the Alabama quarterback, and he was really kind of talking up Milrow that he's gotten better and this and that. And he's, you know, he's taking, you know, just really growing as a quarterback. And if you listen to McElroy, who you would assume, because he played for Nick Saban, has some access to Nick Saban. If you would you would assume that McElroy is saying this because maybe Milrow is a real factor to actually win this starting quarterback job, and if that happens, 
This is not what Alabama fans thought was going to happen, nor what they wanted to have happen. Um, this is not what they thought. They thought that after seeing Milrow play last year and kind of only being okay, had a little bit of an issue with turnovers, fumbles in particular, uh, after kind of seeing that kind of, kind of be on display, there was a lot of attention being paid then to Ty Simpson. And every football fan does this. The thing you haven't seen becomes more interesting than the thing you have seen. And everybody assumed because they had seen Milrow and he was only okay, that meant Ty Simpson must be better because they thought they were, you know, it was their birthright to have a great quarterback. Well, guess what? I haven't heard a peep out of Ty Simpson this entire spring. And I'm not sure, I'm not so sure an Alabama fan has, has either. And we told you, you know, we were trying to be fair and balanced of the day. Malik Benson, junior college wide receiver, sounds like he's had a pretty good spring for the Crimson Tide. There are some guys who've earned some buzz there at Tuscaloosa uh, thus far this spring. It does not seem like Ty Simpson's been one of those guys. And so that means unless there's some sort of magical transfer quarterback falling out of the heavens in a, a week or so, that means that Jalen Milrow may end up being the guy for Alabama. Based on some of the chatter from Greg McElroy, that would seem to be a very real possibility. If that be the case, a lot of Alabama fans themselves are going to be pretty disappointed in that. Now, who knows? Maybe Jalen Milrow really has gotten uh, a lot better. It's at least a possibility. But this is not what Alabama fans were hoping to hear this spring. But thus far, there is no noise whatsoever that I can tell coming from Simpson at all. Uh, I'm not quite so sure he's the guy there. And that is an interesting development. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I love Wednesdays on our show because it gives me a chance to give a shout-out to something I just love. And I especially love it this time of year. I'm talking about the finished long drink. Now, some of you know we've been talking about the finished long drink for quite some time around our program. And I'm thankful we're going to be doing that for quite some time to come here there as well. I think it's a really cool story for two reasons. A, I think for a lot of us, the finished long drink was an introduction to a brand new category of of beverage. You know, it's a ready-to-drink cocktail. In other words, it comes in a can, so a lot of folks would just sort of think it's a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. What that means is if you like mixed drinks, this is a mixed drink in a can, which is kind of a cool thing. And so you can drink it out of the can, you can pour it in a glass, you can do whatever you're going to do. Plus, in particular, the finished long drink has an amazing backstory there as well. You know, starting in Finland back in the 1950s, that's why it's called the Finnish long drink. Uh, when the summer games were there, this drink was invented as a way of celebrating that. Now it's been in America for a couple of years, and now it's available in Georgia there as well. So if you have not tried the Finnish long drink yet, it is time to do that. Go to thelongdrink.com. You can learn about the four different Finnish long drink varieties. It's the long drink cranberry, which a lot of folks really love. The folks in my neighborhood especially, that's a big that's a big thing in our pool each and every summer. The Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. I know some of y'all like that. Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar. You're trying to look good in the gym or your swimsuit. Uh, that'll help you out with that. Long Drink Traditional. This is probably my favorite kind. The Traditional comes in a blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick to go along with that. Really just uh, a great thing. And if you're enjoying the finished Long Drink, do me a favor. Hit me up on Twitter, at DogNationDaily, and we'll feature you Friday as part of our big finish presented by the finished Long Drink. Y'all, this is the time of year for the finished Long Drink. You better believe that. A lot of folks are going to be enjoying that as part of their tailgates at G-Day on Saturday. We want to see you in style uh, with the finished Long Drink. Glad to have all of you as a uh, part of the uh, program today. By the way, uh, according to our uh, great producer, Kaylee Manziel, Athens, Georgia was the second city in the U.S. to have access to the finished Long Drink. Very interesting. So, 
we've seen it around Athens, a lot of the bars and stuff like that. Uh, folks love to finish long drink, and Athens kind of leading the way there when it comes to finish long drink. I did not realize that, but uh, good information from our good friend Kaylee Manzel, and that's why we have her around here for what we like to do. Uh, so enjoy yourself some finish long drink, and then we'll see you on Friday for the big finish presented by the finish long drink there as well. All right, very important golden shoe. I dare say this may be the most important golden shoe we have ever done. We learned news yesterday that I was not expecting. Now, maybe I should have been, but I was not expecting this. We found out that on Saturday, G-Day already a can't-miss event made even more significant because there'll be the passing of the collar, if you will, from UGA 10 to UGA 11. So I have my UGA 10 shirt on today in honor of Q, but on Saturday, Q gives way to Boom. So the dog's name is Boom, which is a great name, of course. And Boom on Saturday will get a new name. He will now become Ugga 11. Uh, so Georgia Athletics putting it on Twitter yesterday. Join us at approximately 3.50 this Saturday for the collaring ceremony for a brand new Ugga. Welcome Boom as Ugga 11. And truly, we welcome him in style with a golden shoe here today. Congratulations, Boom. Uh, may your reign be long and prosperous. Gatorator countdown. Uh, we know this. Boom's going to be ready to watch the dogs beat up on the uh, lousy, stinking gators again uh, this upcoming uh, October. How about 199 days from now? That's getting closer. It's our Gator Hater countdown here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. We will see you again tomorrow.